You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I'm Chelsea, and I'm the cute one. And we are here with three-time cute one returner. That sounded better in my head. (laughs) Those words all are important in that sentence, but they weren't in the right order. But (laughs) it is Hannah Brown. She's back. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, cute ones, for having (laughs) me back. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, we are thrilled you are here. And it is a momentous occasion. I know I use those words often about things that are not momentous occasions, but this really is one. It is the Spice World 25th anniversary. Holy fuck, we are old. <laughs> like, when you say that, it like instantly reminds me why I use retinol every other night. I have a very <laughs> careful skin regime because I am an elder. As am I. And we would have picked you anyway, Hannah. As I said, you were on this podcast two times before. So we do love you. It's obvious we want you back as many times as you want to come back. But this was like mandatory that you were our guest because it's not available to stream anywhere so we needed someone that owns the dvd and luckily that's you the timing was actually immaculate my (laughs) sisters and my brother-in-law came to town for thanksgiving and i was like oh my god i'm gonna have my girlies staying at my house i need the best girly movies possible and so i got crossroads on dvd and spice world (sighs) I don't even want to, like, mention what it cost on Amazon to get those two DVDs, but, like, no regrets because I will rewatch them as much now as I did as a kid. No Uh, doubt. We love to hear it. And Crossroads also isn't available to stream anywhere, so get your calendar ready, Hannah, because you're coming back. (laughs) Oh my gosh, can't wait. (laughs) I had a situation happen a couple months ago where I introduced my daughters to the Spice Girls. We were home on a Saturday. We were playing all of their concerts. My daughters were dancing. It was like a true millennial mom moment. And I was like, oh my God, tonight we're going to have a slumber party. We're going to pull out the couch bed and we're going to watch Spice World. So I get on my phone and can't find it anywhere. And then, of course, I texted Donnie and Donnie was like, yeah, remember that movie list on our Google Docs (laughs) that I talk about all the time? We need to buy the DVD. So here we are. So did your girls watch it yet? No, not yet. I'm going to save it for this weekend and then I'm going to watch it again. Oh my gosh, you need to report back because, okay, when you say stuff like that, that makes me think like, okay, being a mom sounds like pretty lit. Like the idea of like forcing your interests onto your children. But the thing is like the Spice Girls are such a pure love and and such a pure thing to show your children where I'm like, I think they are amazing role models. Rewatching the movie, we'll get into it. But I was like, I am so proud that as a child, I looked up to those women because even watching it as an adult, I still had full body chills. I look up to them so much. Like I feel the same feelings watching them perform as I feel watching Lady Gaga perform. Like I think they are just the coolest people on the planet. And honestly, like I feel bad for the youths of today that they like look up to like Hailey Bieber, who has the personality of like a character. <laughs> I texted Donnie when I was watching and I was like, I am emotional. Like yes. the Spice Girls truly make me emotional. And we'll get into it, but re-watching this movie, first of all, I was terrified it was gonna be bad. It wasn't. It no. was pure mm-hmm. camp, it was pure perfection, it's comedy gold. They were making fun of themselves. I love self-deprecation, but it was like scene by scene, I was watching my entire personality be formed, and I was like, so much makes sense now. So true. I guess that leads into the question I wanted to ask both of you. Which Spice Girl did you relate most to growing up? And is it still the one that you relate to? Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, I forgot. It's like mostly an auditory medium, and I'm like nodding my head. Thinking, yeah. <laughs> I was a scary Spice Girl, tried and true, and oh. I still am. And as a small child, when I found out both of our last names were Brown, I convinced myself that we were like distant relatives. I remember like freaking out, uh. and I didn't realize at the age of like six that Brown is like an extremely common last name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still ride so hard for Scary. I think she's so fucking cool and so beautiful and so funny, mm-hmm. and I love her outfits. And Elvin, she goes, "Oh no." <laughs> In your defense, Hannah, she has never been on that TV show where they check her DNA. So you could be distant relatives. Listen, I hope so. I feel like if I were to find out that we were relatives, I would go full Anastasia on her and be like, it's me, your long lost cousin. Now we can be together in Paris forever. And she'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> what about you, Chelsea? So I know who you think I am, uh-huh. and it would be a natural conclusion that I am Sporty Spice. Growing up, I was always baby. Mm. I enjoy dressing up. I enjoy the cosplay. Sporty Spice would have been too easy if I were to just open my closet and put on my Adidas I wear for every day. We will get into who I identify as in this movie, and it has mm. changed. Is it Ginger? It is. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I know it all feminist. Like, I don't know why you tried to drop that as a spoiler later. That's obvious who you are. I was just going to tease the people. Like, who do you think I could possibly be? Definitely posh. I I know I asked the question just for me to not really answer. I was mm-hmm. 12 around Spice Girl Mania. So, like, as a little... Philadelphia boy, I wasn't really able to relate to one of the Spice Girls, but I had my four favorites and then the one I didn't like, Sporty. <laughs> and and to this day, that still kind of rings true. However, I will say Sporty has the best voice. Undeniable. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the movie then. It premiered in the U.S. It premiered before that in the U.K. and stuff. But we are a U.S.-based show, so we're focusing on the facts in the United States, okay? It (laughs) premiered in the United States on January 23rd, 1998, making this the 25th anniversary, like we already said. Savage Garden's Truly Madly Deeply was the number one song in the United Mm. States with All Around the World by Oasis at the top of the charts in the U.K., On Broadway, Ragtime opened, earning Audra McDonald her third Tony Award. And in real life, Bill Clinton held a press conference on this day to say he did not have sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. A big day for pop culture. Also on this day, Dawson's Creek premiered on the WB. Holy moly. Truly just every part of my personality. For real though, like what an iconic day in her story. (laughs) Honestly. So for the uncut, unedited, and unhinged versions of our current shows, head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one. We also just started covering season one of Glee over there. And Chelsea simultaneously wants to enter life and I think loves it. So... To experience that, head to the page. Yeah, you really need to see it on video because I really go through it and it just flashes on my face as I alternate between pure confusion, horror, delight, and also I'm still kind of convinced that this is a long con and somehow <laughs> Donnie has made all of this up and I'm being punked. It's just Photoshop scales. Just little cutouts of Lee <laughs> yeah. in the show. So the movie was written by Kim Fuller, although the Spice Girls are credited with having the idea, which brilliant on them. Mm-hmm. However, Kim Fuller also wrote From Justin to Kelly, <gasps> which I know, iconic. I saw that in theaters. It's so good. 
It is so good. I told my from Justin to Kelly story on the podcast, right? Oh, yes, you did. When I didn't want to miss any of the movie, so I held my pee in so bad. At the end of the movie, I jumped over seats to go to the bathroom. And then by the time I got to the bathroom, it felt so good to pee. I was grunting and giggling at the urinal. And the guys next to me quickly left. (laughs) Honestly, it's just impressive that that story ended differently than 99% of the stories you tell that starts with, I had to pee so bad. Like, that's an M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) twist that you made it to the urinal. You're right. For someone that pisses himself all the time, I do have a story of when I conquered that. I just love Mm -hmm. that you were so riveted by From Justin to Kelly, Oscar-winning film (laughs) from Justin to Kelly, that you were like, I can't miss anything from this super dense plot. I won't understand what's happening if I take two minutes to go pee. (laughs) Kim also wrote more iconic music television. She wrote seven episodes of S Club 7 in Miami and both S Club 7 movies. Wow. I didn't realize there were two. Yeah, one when they go back to the 50s and then one something else. I miss the early 2000s. When you just said they go back to the 50s, I was like, I do miss that like trope (laughs) in like TV shows and movies where it's like, oopsies. Mm -hmm. It's prehistoric times. Let's bop our way through it. If one thing from movies could be real, I do wish it was time travel. Totally. I wouldn't even do anything good. I'd just wear different clothes. Uh, Well, there's something called a thrift store, Donnie. We don't need a time machine for that. Uh, I guess. Spice World was directed by Bob Spears, who also directed a bunch of bullshit, but then also directed That Darn Cat with Christina Ricci and Absolutely Fabulous in the UK. So those two things are good, but then ignore the rest of his career. The budget was $25 million and it made $29 million. Should have made more. Yeah. Should have made a billion. <laughs> I agree. Especially because this year, the Spice Girls dolls were the number one selling toy in the United States, but the movie flopped. That sucks. Like, the movie was better than the dolls. The dolls were weird looking. I remember going to Toys R Us and like the cashier was like asking my mom, like, are you going to let them play with these? And my mom was like, yeah, they're dolls. And the cashier was like, you shouldn't do that. These are collectibles. And Uh, like low key, I do wish I still had like beautifully kept Spice Girls dolls. But like, I'm not really a collector of items. Like as a small child, I was like, no, I'm gonna play with these dolls are stunning, perfect, amazing women. And I will play with them every day. I'm alive. Yeah, my sister every Christmas from my aunt used to get the Christmas Barbies. And like what's forced to just put them in the attic the day after Christmas. Devastating. Yeah, they came with those like weird little stands that would go up the Barbie's (laughs) asshole. So it would be like perfectly preserved in place. Yeah. Hate it. So normally we did this at the start of the podcast and then it, we fell off on it like we do with a lot of things. Mm. But the reviews were so bad for this movie that I did need to bring them up for this. So it has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is just the patriarchy. That's disgusting. It is because it's not. Fair. You put on that pussy hat, Donnie. You wear it proud. And I am going to attack dead Roger Ebert because he called this the worst film of 1998 until June 1998 when he saw Armageddon. And then he was like, never mind, changed my mind. Which, this is a good plug. In six months, we will be covering Armageddon's 25th anniversary. So tune in for that in oh June. <laughs> but in Roger Ebert's review, he compared the movie to the Beatles movie, A Hard Day's Night. And he said the huge difference, of course, is that the Beatles were talented, while let's face it, the Spice Girls could be duplicated by any five women under the age of 30 standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts, which is rude for no reason. And what is wrong with a woman standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts? Because 
I do it quite often, and I know I'm talented. I think I just added a name to my nemesis list. Yeah. Well, he's dead already, so you won. No, I hold a grudge in the afterlife, yeah. too. Robert Ebert can suck a soft one. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, see you in hell. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Were they the best dancers or the best singers in the world? No. But they were nice people who kept it real championed girl power around the world. Mm-hmm. They were genuinely great women to look up to. They set a good example. It's the fact that there was representation of five women who weren't pitting themselves against each other to like come out on top. And the fact that their whole platform really was girl power was amazing. And I think that it really had like a lot to do with my early feminist seeds being planted to bloom later and terrorize Donnie every week. So Donnie, (laughs) you can thank the Spice Girls. Well, no, here is the white man in me. If feminism stayed at Spice Girls level, (laughs) I could deal with that. But it's it's when you try to teach me more and expect more from me that I just, my eyes (laughs) Okay. Sorry. So now we've reached my new favorite part of the show that we just started last week. Hannah, you may have seen it on TikTok. I'm going to give you the taglines from the movie, and we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill. But after you pick one, you can't change your answer. Okay. Wow. Okay. Here we go. So the first tagline, they perform for royalty and entertain millions the world over. Now they're making a movie. Fuck, marry, or kill. kill. Yeah, I'm going kill on that one. Boring. Too many words. Kill. (laughs) All right. So the second one is... They don't just sing. Oh, no. Fuck. Oh, really? I mean, I'm not going to marry it, so I guess I'm going to fuck it. Short and sweet. They don't just sing. So that means you're left to marry five girls, five days, one rock and roll. I do remember this one, and that is the best one. Well, consider yourself married. Go into the chapel. I don't remember any of them, but I do like that one the best. Mm -hmm. We already said which Spice Girl we relate to. Does any of their characters, or is there another character in the movie you relate to more than who you said earlier? I relate to Posh more as an adult because she just seems kind of like eye-rolly and over it a lot of the time. And she doesn't like forced merriment. She wants to be merry on her own terms. Mm -hmm. And the older I get, the more I feel myself entering a place of Posh. And don't get me wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm a good time gal too, but I don't like when people are like, we're going to do this organized activity, mm-hmm. although I do love an obstacle course. That obstacle course looks super oh, fun. Thank God, because I am going to talk shit about Chelsea when we get to that scene. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I didn't even say anything about the obstacle course yet. Well. I am, like I said, I'm Sporty Spice on the outside, Ginger Spice on the inside. The fact that she is always ranting about something slightly self-righteous, people are rolling their eyes, but like ultimately she's right. Me. And I am the manager. I am great at organization and bossing people around, but I do lose my shit quickly if people don't do the organized things I tell them to do. Oh my God, Clifford is daddy. That was another thing that made me feel old watching this. I was like, Clifford is sexy, question mark. And like, yes, like the facial hair leaves something to be desired. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. kind of like, and I'm probably insulting this actor terribly. He was kind of giving like Walgreens Barbie version of Hugh Grant to me. So like maybe that's why, maybe that's why I was into him. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. 
so we've reached the part of the show where Hannah, we're putting one minute on the clock. Please give us a synopsis of this film. Okay. So we have the Spice Girls. They have a very important show at Albert Hall on Saturday. They have to play a few shows before their best friend, Nicola, is pregnant. There is also Kevin McMaxford, who's trying to take them down. You also have these two guys trying to make a movie out of them. They go on a boat with two little girls who win a day with them. They capsize the boat, and it's a whole thing. Then they have a weird flashback where they're singing, If You Want to Be My Lover to This Guy, Brian, who presumably died. Then they uh, do the show, and everything's fine. Oh, an alien. <laughs> wow. That was 99% great. I don't know their pronouns, but I saw a little boy hanging out with them on that boat. One little boy, one little girl. But again, you could be right. Maybe it's two little oh. girls. It's two little girls. No, it's not, Chelsea. Girl power, Donnie. They would never have a little boy with a A little a faggot boy. I thought, <laughs> I thought I was represented. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay, never mind. I'm the one in the wrong here. And for shouting slurs on the podcast. (laughs) Well. (laughs) As Michelle Trachtenberg said in the hit 1996 movie Harriet the Spy, for those of you who don't know, a retraction is when a newspaper takes something back. So now it is time for me to issue a retraction of my own. Earlier in this episode, Hannah Brown and myself foolishly attacked Donnie for referring to one of the contest winners, the one giving Corbin Blue vibes specifically, as, and I quote, a boy. I am here now to say that Donnie, of course, was correct. The role of Jack, the contest winner, was played by former child actor Devin Anderson, who went on to star famously in 102 episodes of the BBC's EastEnders. In no way was I forced to make this apology. I vow to do better, to educate myself, to listen and learn, and to always, always, always recognize that Donnie is probably right. And now, back to the show. I've been jealous of those two girls forever. I remember as a kid, we could write like little short stories at our school through this thing called the Sherwood Press. And I wrote a short story and it was about me spending a day with the Spice Girls, like going shopping and like getting food and like going on a roller coaster. And so seeing the movie and seeing those girls get to go on a boat with them and like in the bus, the The bus, bus. (laughs) that bus was magic. I know it was like Mary Poppins purse, but. Jake's like, there's no way that bus is that big. It's a set. I was like, shut up. (laughs) No, it's not. They filmed it on location. While the bus was moving. (laughs) So it's 1997 and the Spice Girls, as anyone could have guessed at this time, are busy. They have no days off as they go from press conferences to rehearsals through swarms of screaming fans. Their only sanctuary is, like we said, their double-decker tour bus where they rest, play, and for Jerry, read horoscopes. I did not peg Ginger to be the astrology girly of this group. I did because she's me. And my favorite thing to do is judge people based on their horoscopes. That is you. But if we're taking you out of it, let's please do that for a second. (laughs) Never. (laughs) If we're just looking at the five of them, I didn't expect it to be her. Who would you have guessed? Well, I think that's the problem. I think besides girl power, I think I don't know like what 
Jerry's personality was. Like, everyone else's adjective tells you what they are. Like, oh, she's sporty. Oh, she's baby. But Ginger, like, what are you? She kind of gives, like, mother vibes. Mm. Like, she should have been Mother Spice. (laughs) She kind of gives, like, Hermione from Harry Potter vibes Mm. of just kind of, like, a general know-it-all. And I think that she actually is girl power spice. She famously said she came out of the womb yelling girl power. (laughs) I would see maybe scary being into horoscopes. Maybe posh. Like, I could imagine her, like, flipping through a magazine (laughs) to the horoscopes. Mm -hmm. But I guess, like, it would be ginger because you know sporty's too busy at the gym busy at the gym pumping iron i also feel like baby reminds me of like fred armison in broad city like i feel like she'd be like i'm a little baby and i don't know how to weed like she doesn't even know how to read horoscopes she's a baby yeah when taylor swift sang about the sexy baby i do think she was talking about baby spice the whole baby thing as an adult i was like it is weird that this like grown woman is like infantilizing herself in this movie being like i'm just a little girl i was like that's quite enough of that i'm worried about her teeth i hope she has regular access to <laughs> dental care because that lollipop is always swirling Talking around to like a sweaty man being like and then i have buzz woody the alien and all my stuffies so there's just not enough room for the i would have loved if she was talking to that hot guy and all of a sudden she like crouches down and starts grunting and she's like oopsie i just made a poopsie in my diapie <laughs> oh my god <laughs> You took it someplace set. <laughs> Not in a sexual way, but in a baby I way. I knew what you meant. Or she just spits up, like, <laughs> like pukes a little. <laughs> yeah. a baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, speaking of sick, the girls are sick. They're sick of being put in the boxes that they're stuck in. Sporty, posh, scary baby, and I guess mother, whatever ginger is, whatever we decided ginger is, they are sick of it. So they decide to find new personalities, dabbling in Bond villains, Charlie's Angels, Elvis, Bob Marley, and even each other. I think this is my favorite part of the movie. It's so fun. So fun. I love a music montage. Ginger looked great as Sporty. She did. The others, I can't really say... I think they're cast in the parts they should be. But Ginger could have been sporty or Ginger. But those outfits are still so fucking cool. And it's a little bone chilling that every single thing they wore is very much in today. Yes. And that look at the end, I like get chills thinking about it. When Scary comes out in the fucking platform, like white boots, the little like cape like thingy and then the booty shorts and the horns and her long hair. She took my breath away. I was like, she's the most beautiful, cool person I've ever seen in my life. That's what her Barbie was wearing, yes, remember? I, uh, do I remember? It's the only one I played <laughs> yeah. And then in the credits, the purple dress uh, Victoria wears in the credits is the one yes. her Barbie wore. What the other three wore, I don't remember. Respectfully, but... who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're the two I played with. Spoiler alert. Now, I will say before we move on, I do love a montage, but I never, ever, ever need to see a Charlie's Angels reference in a montage again. Oh. I love Charlie's Angels. But it's overdone and people never pose correctly. Whether it's in this movie, whether it's sorority girls, whether it's bridesmaids, not every fucking Charlie's Angels has a gun. So when it's just three girls doing this, you're wrong. That's it. I have nothing else to say about it. Okay. Few things cringe me out more than A, people saying cha-cha-cha during happy birthday (laughs) and B, people doing the Charlie's Angels pose in a photo. I am only cringing if the photo is not posed correctly. If one of you is pretending to have a walkie-talkie and one of you has a gun and then the other one of you is doing whatever the ugly one did, then it's fine. But if you all have guns, forget about it. I don't want to see the photo. Okay? Okay. 
He's put his foot down. Chelsea gets upset about feminism. I yell the F slur and get mad about Charlie's Angels. We all have our role to play on this podcast. So it appears the girls should have stayed in their safe little tour bus because in the real world, they are also the target of Kevin McMaxford, a piece of shit, the editor of the Daily Event, who is sick of printing front page articles about how wonderful the Spice Girls are and makes it his mission to bring the group down and split them up with the help of a private investigator. And after the PIT twist Jerry's words from a press event, suddenly the Spice Girls are front page news for doubting the Pope is Catholic. The daily event is definitely the Daily Mail, right? Because the Daily Mail is like notoriously awful in the UK, like way, way worse than the US version. I block them. You know that I block people. (laughs) I don't give them a warning. I just block them if they piss me off. And the Daily Mail is blocked. Oh, wow. You took a stand. (laughs) I really hope they can sleep at night. No. But it's so tough because then people send me like this happens all the time, not just with the Daily Mail. People send me Instagram accounts and they're like, oh, look at this. And I'm like, either they blocked me or I blocked them, but I cannot see what you're sending. (laughs) And just so you know, both things are a possibility. <laughs> I could have easily been blocked. <laughs> yeah. I was Instagram storying my rewatch last night, and a lot of people were very triggered by the private investigator climbing out of the toilet. And Jake even remembered, he's like, I, that's the only thing I remember from this movie is a guy coming out of the toilet to like sneak photos of them. And I was like, it is really scary. It is very scary. And speaking of bad press, do you remember when Dave Matthews Band dumped 800 pounds of poop on people? I will never forget. Whenever I think of a band getting bad press, we don't talk enough as a society about the fact that the Dave Matthews Band literally emptied their septic tank over a group of people on a tour boat. What? Yeah, like into a river. (gasps) I did not remember that. Yes. Did the Daily Mail report it? Maybe I was blocked. <laughs> when was this? I looked it up because I sometimes oh, wow. like think it's a fever dream because literally nobody ever talks about it. August 8th, 2004, a bus driver for Dave Matthews Band tour bus emptied the septic tank over the Chicago River, drenching passengers on a boat tour with 800 pounds of human crap. <laughs> That is so foul. Also, 800 pounds. The fact that that can be stored on a tour bus is disgusting. And the Spice Girls were nice enough to say, oh, you know, we're just going to go shit in the woods. Granted, their toilets were broken and they encountered (laughs) aliens in the process who sexually harassed them. But yeah, they shit in the woods. And maybe if Dave Matthews Band had done that more often, they wouldn't have 800 pounds of shit on their tour bus. But you know what? If there was a man coming out of their toilet... Maybe they would clean it out more often. Who knows? If he's slithering (laughs) through those pipes, maybe he's a human Drano. And that scene was horrifying because, like, we didn't know what was going to happen in that haunted house. But, like, he was popping up like that often. He came out of, like, a shrimp cocktail at that party. Oh, my God. (laughs) He couldn't be stopped. He was a menace. (laughs) He was great at his job. Great at his job. (laughs) Dedicated. So a little bad press isn't enough to unravel their busy schedule. So the next day, they're performing in Milan. And after a creative disagreement about the costumes of the backup dancers, a compromise (laughs) involving assless tuxedos is made. And another successful performance is under their belts. Like I said before, I was 12 when this movie came out, and this scene is etched into my little gay brain. When they come out in those shorts and, like, lotioned up, I didn't understand then, and I don't understand now why it was a problem. (laughs) Why? Why would they want different outfits? 
it made no sense. I much preferred look one to look two. Yes. I didn't like the assless tuxedos. No, so. they looked cheap. The original look was like overly sexy, fine. But I think we could have made a statement with that. Like women are always the ones that have to be overly sexy. Let's show these men. Let's look at their bulge and oil them up for It's a girl second. power is what it is. It's feminism. It is. <laughs> yeah. But then putting them in that Ken doll tuxedo was just too much. I don't ever need a peekaboo of a man's <laughs> hairy asshole. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't say the same. But I <laughs> did not like these uniforms. <laughs> yeah. This is where the movie really starts to go off the rails. And I'd argue we never get back on. Because when the toilets on the bus break down, the girls are forced to poop in the woods in the middle of the night. <laughs> and that is where they run into aliens. Mm-hmm. That's it. End of sentence. I love that they just spoke alien with no explanation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sporty's like, is that three or four Ks? Because the guy's like, sign this for my brother. And they're like, what's his name? And he's like, I've got a pretty It was very much like Pocahontas when they spoke different languages, but they still understood yeah. each other. And similar to John Smith, there was some sexual harassment happening here <laughs> yeah. because these aliens were a little too handsy for my liking. Absolutely. They told Jerry, they were like, kiss me on the lips. And then they threw the alien hand on Scary's boob and she was, oh, I get off. <laughs> But I do like that Victoria didn't let it slide because when she went to sign their stomach, she's like, oh, you're fat. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, can't have a movie in the 90s without that casual fat phobia slipping on in. But you know what? If we're going to be fat phobic, at least it's the it's alien. aliens. Creepy aliens at that. And, I mean, it is kind of shocking to see Victoria Beckham in this movie because like Jake and I were talking about this. We're like, she's literally lived two very iconic but very different lives where it's like how in one lifetime were you posh spice and now you're victoria beckham like (laughs) fashion icon fashion fashion like it's just wild every time she smiled in this movie i felt a chill go down my spine i was like i feel like i'm seeing bigfoot like i'm not supposed to see this (laughs) just a cute smile too (laughs) i know Have I ever talked about how in college I was fully convinced that aliens were going to land on Earth? So I threw a party. (laughs) No, you haven't. (laughs) So I went to the psychic. Looking back, this was probably like the early seeds of QAnon. And I could have been down that rabbit hole because I was telling everybody like the aliens are coming, the aliens are coming. But my psychic told me this whole network of psychics that followed this one psychic named Blossom Goodchild. made this prediction. This is all, I mean, it's not real, but it's real. It was real in my life, but spoiler alert, the aliens didn't end up coming. But they (laughs) predicted that a group called the Galactic Federation of Light were going to make a benevolent visit to Earth. And I think like Alabama or like a Southern state, but they told me that because the UFO was going to be so low that we would be able to see it from the sky... I told every single person that I came into contact with that, like, the aliens were coming. So we had a full alien party. We put on our tinfoil hats. We painted ourselves green. It was like a Tuesday kegger rager. Get out. The aliens did not come. (laughs) You were stood up by the aliens. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's really disappointing. Thanks. I never fully recovered. I love the idea of a benevolent alien visit. Yeah. (laughs) And then they just leave. What percentage of this party was just because you wanted a fun theme and what percentage was in case it was the last day of Earth? It's a good question. I never thought it was the last day of Earth. I really thought it was going to happen. So I was like, well, we're all going to be talking about the day that the aliens came. 
came and we all saw the UFO. So I wanted to be like at a party. Okay. So it's like when I had my no AIDS dinner at Applebee's. Yes. Okay. We had to celebrate either way. Yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. So for reasons unbeknownst <laughs> to me, because the girls have been dancing just fine for the past 40 minutes, they're forced to attend dance boot camp, which is exactly what it sounds like, a mix of army training and dance class. Hannah, you already said you loved it. I think it looked so fun. I would be on any reality show where I have to do any kind of obstacle course. So fun. Love all those kinds of shows. When Chelsea and I went to the Poconos. Oh, God. The the first thing this bitch said when she arrived to the house late was (laughs) that... was that she didn't want to do a three-legged race or a potato sack race. I packed those things. I knew you did. That's why I walked in the door and said, Hey, Donnie, good to see you. I will not be doing a potato sack race. But why? I just don't want to. There's no part of my spirit that feels called to get into a potato sack and hop. That's so popular. You don't like a track and field day? Yeah. Well, track and field day was just called track and field, which I did. You, know? you did actual sports, but you don't like like a silly fake game. Oh. That is interesting, though. I'm not judging. I am. I know. <laughs> it's the same reason I can't do like a class workout. Mm. Like something broke in me doing competitive sports where like, no, thank you. I'm done with that portion of my life. Now I get to drink in a chair. I'll I watch see. you do a potato sack. I will uh-huh. cheer my little ass off, but I'm not doing it. Yeah, I feel like what I'm gleaning from what you're saying is you don't, again, you don't like forced merriment where it's like, we're going to do this organized activity. You have to do it. You're like, if I want to do an activity, I will elect to do it. But I don't like being told. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, my podcast partner is like the dictator of forced merriment and organizational fun. And I have to say, a lot of times it does turn out extremely fun, way more fun than it would have by me because I don't plan anything. Yeah. I just wasn't going to get into a potato sack. It's a healthy balance. I get it. And to clarify even more, to really set the scene, I owned these things already because my <laughs> friend, for her birthday, they rented a cabin and said, we want the birthday theme to be 90 summer camp. So fun. The only thing she had in her mind was to wear like 90s clothes one night and they wanted to buy canteens for our alcohol. Once this bitch told me 90 summer camp, I planned a full color war. I contacted everyone and said, this is what team color you are. You better wear a full outfit in that color. And then I planned a full track and field day. That is so fun. <laughs> that is Thank fun. You. Let me be clear. If it was somebody's birthday, and it was the theme, I would participate. But if it's just like a group That's excellent trip, to oh know. No. Yeah. He's stroking his beard. <laughs> He's found the loophole. Okay. I think my birthday theme is 90 oh, Summer Camp. no. <laughs> Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as 
Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. New Year, New You? Is your New Year's resolution to stop murdering plants? Looking for the perfect gift for a green-thumbed cutie in your life? Or maybe you just want to liven up your living space? It's time to join Mother Magnolia Plant Company's Plant Gang. Plant Gang is a monthly subscription that includes one new plant each month, shipped directly to your door. Each plant comes with personalized care cards and access to plant consults as needed. Head to MotherMagnoliaPlants.com to sign up now. Anyway, back to the movie. To battle more bad press about the Spice Girls being afraid of their upcoming live show, the group picks two children, both little girls I've learned, in a competition to spend a day with. But when the girls go rogue and take the kids on a boat trip, a capsized boat trip at that, it results in more bad press. Wow, wow, wow. wow, wow uh, before wow. we get to the boating accident itself, let's talk about ourselves as we do so well. Did you win anything cool as a kid? I didn't win this, but something cool happened to me once where I was at the Shedd Aquarium with my dad and my sister, and we were going to the dolphin show, and I just got picked out of the audience to like put on these big boots <gasps> and like walk onto this rock and like do tricks with the dolphin. Like I just got picked out of a crowd. It was really cool. Oh, wow. And I was like, cool. I'm famous now. Like this is how it all begins. <laughs> Haven't been picked out of a crowd since, but it was a great memory. <laughs> but someone will remember you from that day. Like an agent was there. They just haven't yes. Found they were again. like, wow, this kid, the way she trained that, trained in floppy air quote, trained that dolphin. She's a star. <laughs> a very similar experience happened with me, except not at a dolphin place. It was at Sesame Place. And <laughs> I got picked out of the audience to be in like a Bert and Ernie <gasps> show. But it wasn't like life-size Bert and Ernie, like teenagers in a costume. It was puppets. And we got a video of it that I got to bring home and watch often. Like Super Grover was in it. It was full on iconic. But I thought I was honestly on Sesame Street. I did not know it was just a VHS that I got to bring home because I was in a half hour show at a theme park. (laughs) So my whole life until like... Maybe 10 years ago, I told people I was on Sesame <laughs> Street when I was a little kid. <laughs> I mean, you, you were. In my heart, you were. It just wasn't televised. Right. <laughs> Do you still have that VHS? Oh, yeah. You need to bring that out. <laughs> 
Chelsea, did you win anything or picked out of a crowd ever? Not really. I won a French poster competition in high school, but my French teacher hated me so much that she never told me and she kept the cash prize. <laughs> what a Oh my god! Yeah, I found out at the end of the year. Our principal was like, "Oh, by the way, congrats on that poster contest," because it was like a countywide thing. I even forget this French teacher's name. She hated me. She should have been fired. What a fucking asshole! It's like the teacher in Stand by Me who like keeps the lunch money when Chris gives it back. Like that's the vibe. And she went and got a new skirt. Yeah, what a piece of shit. In her defense, I think she earned Mm. it. I terrorized her. She had worked for it. I get it. So so the stress of the bad press finally gets to the girls who fight with each other and their manager before their big show. Did Kevin McMaxford succeed? I think so. But before I can answer that, we get a flashback scene as all of the girls independently think back to the group's origins of rehearsing in a pizza shop. And after some reminiscing, they find themselves all back at the now closed establishment where they reflect on how fame changed them. It was sad. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian, like, I feel like Brian died. They're like, oh, we owe that man some coffee. Wait, yeah. is it a coffee shop, not a pizza shop? I, I feel like there were just points in this movie that were like, shockingly like dark like one of them is when nicola is like trevor's left me and she just talks about how she's like a single mother like so pregnant and she's like it's okay like they're like you'll figure it out it's fine and i was like poor woman is like by herself all of her friends are like touring the world like fuck and then this scene with Brian where it's like, shouldn't Brian have been like in the audience at the Albert Hall show? Like everyone else from the fucking movie was in the audience. Justice for Brian. Yeah, Brian's dead. Yeah, I think you're right. He's giving dead. <laughs> he's giving dead. And they're giving rude because if he's not dead, they clearly didn't support the small business once they blew oh, up. You're right. They wrote all their hits in this pizza slash coffee shop. And <laughs> then they got big and they're like, peace out, Brian. Thanks for the free coffee. Coffee, see you never. Yeah. Like they were all genuinely surprised that it was closed. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, posters for their sold out show are glued <laughs> to the closed doors of the old coffee slash pizza shop. <laughs> Wait, also, they just went there to rehearse, right? And like get some free pizza and, and coffee. like Kiki. They didn't live there, right? No. Okay. Well, a lot of dumb 12 year old girls at the time thought they did. And the Spice Girls have said in interviews that they regret having the scene in the movie because so many fans thought this was actually their origin story. And they felt lied to when huh. they discovered that these five girls weren't homeless and living in a pizza shop. That's so funny. I never thought that they lived there. I didn't think they were like boxcar children who like lived in a pizza shop. No, I think one of them says like, oh, we lived here. But they meant like we were here all the time. Yeah. Stupid kids. They don't understand. I know. If they lived there, that's even more fucked up. Mm -hmm. Do you know the actual origin of the Spice Girls? I have it, but if you already know it, then they were all chosen. Like, wasn't like a record label, like, we're going to make a girl group. And some of them were already friends, but some of them weren't. I think I had it written down and then I deleted it. Jerry and I want to say Victoria auditioned for some of the same roles in like soap operas and stuff. So they knew each other. But then Scary Ginger. 
Sporty and Victoria, they all got in the group with another woman named Michelle Stevenson. They put them in the same house and everything so they could form a bond when they rehearsed. But then after six months, they were like, we are not feeling Michelle Stevenson. So then they brought in Baby. Wow. (laughs) Where is Michelle Stevenson now? I know. Wellness check. And what was her Spice Girl name? Well, maybe nothing. Because before Emma, the group was called Touch. Oh, yeah. I don't like that name. Me neither. Maybe Michelle made it up. So when she left. I said, fuck you and this shitty band name. We're the Spice Girls now. <laughs> then Emma came and she's like, I'm a little baby. And they're like, we got something here. Lean in. The girls realize they haven't made time for their friends. So they take their pregnant best friend, Nicola, who has made all of them godmothers to her unborn baby out to a dance club. Now, I know I've already ranted about Charlie's Angels poses, but I have another rant because it is nice that they are finally making time for this woman. But she's felt left out this entire movie and she felt like she didn't belong in your group and the way you bond with her is to take her to dance to your own music while she watches you from a balcony. It's giving Countess Luann. (laughs) (laughs) If someone tried to take me to a club when I am a week overdue, I would murder them. I would bury them behind that club and dance on their grave. Like, That is so fucked up, not to mention, it's kind of fucked up that they were like a group of six. Like, she is their only other friend, and she doesn't even get to be like a backup Yeah, at the very least, she should have been what that blonde lady was. And I don't even know what her position is. Was she assistant manager? I don't know. We never know. (laughs) Like, NBA players bring their friends along. Why can't the Spice Girls be like, hey, Nicola, Trevor just left you. Why don't you come stay in our giant mansion tour bus with us on (laughs) the road? Yes, and they could give her a little corner that's just like a cozy bed and all the things that a pregnant woman would want. And, you know, spoil the shit out of her. She's a single pregnant woman. They could, like, yeah. open a door and be like, and this is the wing where we have our hospital. Exactly. You will give birth here now. Right. They really failed Nicola. She deserved better. <laughs> I agree. Maybe she's Michelle Stevenson. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she used to be in the group at the pizza shop where they live. Speaking of QAnon, we have pizza shops. We have the aliens are coming, but they're benevolent. They're landing in Alabama. And also, Nicola is the long-lost Spice Girl, Michelle <laughs> So Nicola, or Michelle, goes into labor at the club. So the girls take her to the hospital and refuse to go to the concert until the baby is born. Twelve hours later, with the concert a mere hours away, Nicola finally gives birth to a healthy baby girl. And thanks to the power of girl power, the group runs into the evil private investigator who realizes he's been living a meaningless lie. So he stops focusing on them and instead takes down the man who hired them, Kevin McMaxford, who is fired after stories of him and a jacuzzi scandal are brought to light. (laughs) That's a lot, but there's more. This part is crazy because we have the whole subplot with the movie with the guy from Cheers and some other guy. Because as it's happening, it's also the script that they're pitching. Right. And these poor bastards have been spending the last hour pitching bad movie after bad movie. So it's good to see them finally have something of worth in their hands. Because this movie does 
get made. We know it. We're talking about it. Okay, I'm dumb. <laughs> I just realized that that like because yeah. the credits are so meta, and I I never really understood how it all connected. Although I will say that their idea about like the secret agents, where they're all in those iconic silver outfits, like I would have watched that movie fifty times over. Absolutely. Um, talking about bad movie pitches, though, I recently found my college years are coming to light in this episode. <laughs> I found a script that I wrote in college that was a parody of like teen TV in the early aughts. So it's like. Like OC, Gilmore Girls, all of those things. But it was a parody written in 2007. So I can't tell you anything about the movie because it's very cancelable. I was drunk reading the script, crying, laughing, like wheezing alone in my living room. But because of how inappropriate it was. I can't even imagine. If you're saying you can't talk about it. Patreon exclusive. Oh, God. (laughs) That is this plotline I feel most comfortable talking about. Oh, my God. The 2007 of it all. Truly. (laughs) Okay. All right. So back to the movie. If you're not on Patreon, please pay $5 and help yourself out because you are truly missing missing out. out. So with minutes to spare and their bus driver missing, Victoria takes the wheel and disarms the bomb as they race against time through London, over a bridge, and up the stairs of Albert Hall to the tune of the Rocky theme, for whatever reason, (laughs) just in time for the concert and to stop their manager from hanging himself in front of documentary cameras. This was a darker movie than I thought. I still did laugh, though, when he's like, I'm going to walk to the middle of the stage and (laughs) hang myself when he holds up a noose. Because I think dark humor is really funny, but I was like, this is shockingly dark given that this is a Spice Girls movie, presumably geared towards children. Yes. Yeah, and like just seconds ago, we watched like a toy car jump over like a Lincoln Log (laughs) bridge, and now we're getting suicide jokes. But. It was 1998, so things are different. Mm -hmm. You talked about how you thought the manager was cute. I don't know what's wrong with me. Alan Cumming was hot as this documentary guy. He's sexy. Still to this day, you think? No, I think he just sort of has that like (laughs) that like intoxicating like theater guy energy. Like I love him in Cabaret too. I think he's like hot in that. I love him in Spy Kids. (laughs) Can't get enough. Him in the thumb thumb. I love him in Josie and the Pussycats as White F. Wally. (laughs) Listen, Lisa. White F. Wally. I think it is his theater kid energy that I've never found him attractive because I think, you know, there's a lot of similarities. You hate in others what you hate about yourself. Mm. Um, but in this movie, the first time he was on that camera, I screamed because my loins were on fire. Oh, no. Get He's that kind of, like, out. dressed down in it, like in his little, like, documentarian yeah. outfit. I think the clothes, like, have a lot to do with it. He's kind of, like, bro-y. A lot less turtleneck wearing <laughs> even if he's not in a turtleneck he's always in a turtleneck so you know true. spiritually yeah yeah, hmm. yeah i get it <laughs> so with that the spice girls movie is sold the live concert is a success and the spice girls are here to stay until five months later when jerry left the group but that is not in the movie that's just in our sad memory it was like someone died I know. Devastating. I remember Rosie O'Donnell rewrote Wannabe to be about Jerry quitting. And my little sister, she was like eight years old at the time. She never watched a Rosie O'Donnell show again. (laughs) She was done with her. We love a woman who sticks with her (laughs) conviction. She was pissed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, what a journey. So many subplots. So final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a remake or what would we want the plot to a sequel to be? Oh my gosh. I mean, I've recast this entire film. Just the girls, though. I didn't go as far as like Clifford and Kevin McMaxford, et cetera, aliens, et cetera. (laughs) I will say that their ages are all across the map, but these are just like people whose energies I think would lend themselves to these characters. So for Sporty Spice, I have either Emma Darcy or Stephanie Hsu. Mm. For Baby Spice, I have Dylan Mulvaney, like no arguments. Like Dylan Mulvaney would be an iconic (gasps) Baby Spice. That's great. Posh Spice, the obvious answer is Lily Rose Depp, but she bugs the shit out of me. So I'm going to say either Madeline Clark. Fine from Glass Onion or Jenna Ortega mm, would be a slay. Okay. Scary Spice, I have Ariana DeBose or Z-Way. Mm. Ginger Spice, I have Michaela Cole or Florence Pugh. You're so good oh at this Oh my God, game. they are all great. I love casting. I was Me like, too. these, I would kill to see these women together in a movie. And, you know, I just love an ensemble movie a la Ocean's 8 with just a bunch of iconic women doing shit together. They could be doing anything and I wouldn't care. But I don't know. What do y'all think? I think that's great. I have the literal No, chills. I love that. What did you have, Donnie? I did not recast that. I just... And this is very basic, bare bones. But I think a natural sequel would be a reunion concert, but like loosely based on and parodying their real lives. So a little bit like what this movie was, but then also maybe you remember the 90210 reboot, not the one with like Annalyn McCord and stuff, Mm -hmm. but the one where the original cast came back playing variations of themselves. That's what I want this to be. I love that. I did the same. I think that you bring all of them back just because I want all of them to be together Mm -hmm. doing something. And I think that you have their friend's baby is now 25 years old. (gasps) She's trying to make it in the music industry. They are all her godmother. So they are all (laughs) her music manager. And they are taking that bus on tour. I'm gagged. I'm imagining the scene where they like, go to like a warehouse where the bus has just been sitting and they like dust it off and like try to turn it on. Like, I feel like I I would cry. Like I need to see them all back together. I just think we really need that as like a society. I think that movie would bring world peace. I agree. Chelsea, you only do it once every nine months, but when you get it, you really get it. Thank you. That was great. So good. And I'm picturing the opening (laughs) being like kind of like the first Sex and the City movie where it's like we kind of check in on what they're all doing now. And then, you know, then, yeah, Nicola's daughter is, like, the person who brings them all together. And, like, of course, like, Ginger is probably begrudging about it because she's like, I quit the group. Like, guys, like, I don't want to do this. And then they all end up together and they're, like, they rediscover the meaning of girl power. Uh, Somebody, if you're listening, please, we've got a script on on (laughs) Now, come on now. And we get Alan coming to come back. And Hugh Grant will play Clifford this time because we'll have a bigger budget. There we go. So final, final thoughts. What for us about this movie aged well and what age like blockbuster? I would say the messaging about girl power and being there for your friends, being spontaneous, not letting fame get to your head, all those things. I, I, I think they are still amazing role models. I will say things that age poorly, taking your pregnant friend to a club, <laughs> not supporting small businesses that gave you free coffee and pizza <laughs> and also potentially housed you for free, depending on who you ask, <laughs> sexual harassment from aliens, suicide jokes casually thrown out there. 
Yeah, to name a few. Literally all the same answers for what age well and what age like Blackbuster. I just want to tack on when they were at the hospital and that boy was in the coma and Victoria told Jerry to lift her top up and that would wake him up. I'm like, oh, okay, this is making my list for sure. And I'm Victoria Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, no notes, all of that. And honestly, like the movie itself, though, holds up entirely. Yeah. I said this at the beginning, but I was very concerned. I don't know when the last time I saw this movie was, perhaps when I was 10 years old, but I remember it so vividly and watching it again. This movie really sparked that like nostalgic spirit in me where I was like, I feel alive. Yes. I love it. I love it too. And that was the perfect way to end the episode. So I should just shut up. But I will say (laughs) there are other movies from the past that I think like just a random child could find and dust off today and watch and be like, oh, I love this. This, I don't know. Like without the Spice Girl attachment, I don't know if it as a movie holds up. Mm -hmm. But if you do have any kind of Spice Girls attachment, I think your daughters will love it because now they have a Spice Girls attachment. Yes. And they're also young enough that like if I'm excited about something, they're excited. But if they were like 10 and 12 and I tried to introduce them, they'd be like, who is this? Where can I find them on TikTok? You know? (laughs) Oh, my God. No. You need to report back. I'm very invested in this. Let's bring them on for a Patreon. (laughs) They're not ready for prime time. So next week, we will be covering Bring It On. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Hannah, let everyone know where they can follow you, where they can find you, all of the above. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Cute Ones, for having me on again. I had so much fun. And thank you, Cute Ones, for listening. Y'all can follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter, Hannah A. Brown Zero on TikTok. Thank Perfect. you. Thank you. This was a blast. We will talk to you later. Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Bye. Girl power. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash I Am The Cute One. And go to I Am The Cute One.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love you like, like a sister. sister.